0: Welcome back to the fourth episode of Things Teachers Say. I'm your host, Amy Lee, and I am so excited about this episode. I have The Modest Teacher to interview for you. If you have not found The Modest Teacher on Twitter, please stop whatever you're doing right now and go to twitter.com and type in The Modest Teacher. Oh my goodness, every time I read this Twitter feed, I giggle. I love Twitter. I love tweeting funny things my students say. I love the positivity. I love learning things on Twitter. But more than a lot of those things, I love. The parody accounts and the satire and the modest teacher is so funny and an incredibly brilliant person. I can't wait for you to hear this interview. Let's get into it. Helping to improve education one snarky tweet at a time. Now, modest teacher, when I looked at your Twitter account three minutes ago, you had 1,999 followers. Now you have 2,001. Do you feel right. like an Edu celebrity?
1: Well, I mean, I not quite yet. You know, it's been kind of funny. I've watched my followers kind of tick up today. And as we started to reach like the late 1900s, it started to pass some important milestones. I like saw the year my dad was born earlier today. And then I saw my birthday uh, year go by, and now we're up to about the time I graduated high school, actually. So it's kind of funny to see these uh, followers tick off, but it's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed uh, getting to connect with a lot of different people.
0: That is funny. I like that you're thinking about the years as it goes up.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, you know, i got this weird thing, too, when people give me change back at a restaurant. And it's like, Oh, here's your change. It's 1976. I think, Oh, yeah, that was the bicentennial. That's, uh, you know, have this weird social studies mind thing going on with years and dates. So it just happens.
0: (laughs) I like that. I always think about math. I always want to give back 3.14 in change. I think that would be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So I'm seeing now that you have edu celebrity status. Is there um, anything you'd like to use your voice for moving forward?
1: Yeah, you know, really, I, I started the account just because I wanted to have the opportunity to comment really kind of honestly on education and the state of education. You know, this is year 15 for me in public education. I have 10 years as an administrator, and and I really just wanted to be able to, to reply and respond honestly to some of the things I see on Twitter. And, you know, quite honestly, the biggest thing for me and, and what I think a lot of my tweets focus on is kind of this idea that you know there's there's a ton of great information on Twitter and I've used it myself for PD and have gotten some great ideas on Twitter. The real problem becomes there's there's really no uh, there's no litmus test as to what is good advice and what is poor advice. And so you get teachers that have taught maybe just a couple of years who have an awesome social media following and have far more followers than I do. And they become very influential in education, and a lot of what they put out there is either not very well researched or is just simply wrong. And my biggest concern is then we have teachers, new teachers in particular, seeing this, following people, assuming that they know what they're talking about, and then taking these things and applying them in their classroom. And it's you know, oftentimes for not, so they're wasting time and energy and effort and money, and um, you know, ultimately they're not, not doing the kids a service. So... Um, that was really the biggest thing for me. It's, it's kind of countering that and and trying to be a voice against some of that and just saying, Hey, some of these things are awesome and great, but we also sometimes need to slow down a little bit before we, we jump into kind of the latest and greatest thing. And so really I just, you know, that's the purpose for me of the account is to blow off a little steam and, uh, you know, it's been really therapeutic and cathartic to be able to to speak my mind on a lot of these things. But that's really the, the point. That's really the message I, I kind of want to get across to people.
0: It is fun to read. I, as I read your tweets, I always think those are my thoughts. Those are my thoughts on paper. It's not paper, but on paper. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, so many times I think a lot of what I tweet out or what I see isn't original. I mean, it is original in my mind, but I think I know other people are thinking these exact same things. If you have been in education for any period of time. Um, you know, the, the experiences oftentimes are so similar. And so for me, it's just kind of verbalizing what I think a lot of us are thinking and feeling. And so I think that's why there's been a good connection with people.
0: Yeah. I think you make a really great point about research and having a large number of followers and this not necessarily being the truth, but we're really influencing these young teachers. And I, I know that, um, How teachers are educated is different across the countries. I'm Canadian Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. ours Mm -hmm. is different a little bit from some, any other country, I suppose. I don't know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, But, you know, we see these edgy celebrities, these well-known researchers and the things they're putting out are really by my book. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no. absolutely and and you know I had that experience personally I I've, I've had some connections with some great edgy celebrities and they're great people and I think they mean well but mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me ultimately it is kind of I, I have seen this tendency where you know once they kind of make it big they're very quick to leave the classroom they're very quick to leave uh, their administrative roles and become sort of these just touring celebrities and it's just kind of this weird phenomenon that that we have like these education rock stars and a lot of what they put out and pump out is really just kind of fluff. I mean, it is really not um, anything groundbreaking or earth shattering. You know, a lot of times the books are are just filled with their own personal experiences and anecdotes. And that's about it. And that's OK at times, as long as you take it for what it is. But um, I certainly think that, you know, this 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 weird age in education that we live in where we have these, you know, edu- education celebrities is kind of bizarre to me, but, um, it's, it's, you know, and the other the other thing is it's easy to get sucked into that. It is kind of cool. I've met some of these people and, you know, I'm a little bit starstruck when I meet them. and then I think, well, this guy's just a teacher like me, you know, so it's really not a <laughs> yeah. anybody I should be, uh, you know, doing and awing over, but it's just kind of this, this weird thing that we're in right now. But, I think you're absolutely right as well. Teacher prep programs. Um, I know in the U.S., you know, from state to state, university to university, they look very different. And I think certainly from country to country, the experiences are vastly different. So teachers are coming out of college and universities with, you know, varied degrees of proficiency and, and mastery of certain subjects. And I think that definitely shows um, with, with the quality of teacher we have some really great young teachers and we have some really, you know, teachers that really struggle coming out of college, but it's definitely interesting.
0: Yeah. I, I've i had this thought for a little while. I'm going to write my capstone on it, but I wonder if research is sort of reserved for the affluent because mm-hmm. I don't have access to research if I'm not currently engaged in a university or I have to pay for the journal. So mm-hmm. I do wonder if, we're doing a disservice to teachers because we're not giving them any access to research except for some of the stuff published in smaller journals.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's very true. I think part of the tendency too is, you know, when you're looking at data and you're, you're applying data or well-researched topics that takes some work, right? Like it takes some work to really Mm -hmm. dig into a journal article and see what it's actually saying and then to figure out how that applies back to your classroom, that takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. Whereas if someone is just pumping you full of really all you need to worry about is loving kids and building a relationship, and that's really all you need to focus on, well, that's a little bit easier, actually. You know, a lot, that doesn't take a lot of, uh, of, of work necessarily. People can come into a classroom and I can love kids and I can build great relationships and those things are are certainly important. But I think sometimes it just becomes almost a replacement for the hard work of teaching, which is really digging into the data. It is really digging into instructional strategies and finding out which ones are effective. And so sometimes it's almost like this easy easy way out to say, my kids are tough, so I just love them because that's what they need. And, you know, hopefully the learning kind of takes care of itself. That's, I think, the approach a lot of people take, unfortunately, and that just does a great disservice to kids, you know.
0: Oh yes, there's no better group at complicating things than educators. You said that about two hours ago.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Uh, I I, kind of thought of that because I've said this to my own teachers many times. Like teaching is, in a lot of ways, the most difficult job, but in a lot of ways, it's really easy too. Like the how you teach can sometimes be very simple, um, and we just make it super complicated. Um, now the dealing with kids and, and all the logistical things that go into teaching are what make the job extremely difficult, but sometimes we can make the hardest things difficult, like line up your kids and take them to recess. This does not need to be a 15 minute process. You know, this should not be hard, but if a te- you know, if there's anyone that's going to make it difficult, it's oftentimes a teacher. And so we, you know, shoot ourselves in the foot a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah.
0: I uh, I like hear you've also said that the secret to building relationships is to actually like the kids. And then if you don't find something else to do, I think that's so poignant. I there's a lot of people really struggling right now. And if you hate it so much, and you really hate yeah. the kids, this is not the place for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, don't if you don't like working with kids, don't don't take a job where you're working with kids literally all day long. And you know, for me, the kind of the the impetus of that tweet was really I, I kind of get tired of seeing all of the way over the top videos of you know we got to have a million secret handshakes or we've got to dance on top of the tables and we got to do all of this to be cool and kind of create this cool relationship with the kids and that stuff's fine you know I mean if that's your thing that's your thing but I think really just the key is just you know like kids they know if you like them or not. And, and they know if you're being genuine or not. And so say hi to kids and, you know, take a real interest in what they're doing and ask them how their day was and don't do it just because you think you should do it because you genuinely care about how their day's going. Yeah. And I think that is, I mean, that's how you build relationships with anybody uh, in a relationship with your own kids, um, with colleagues. I just think it really is about being a genuinely nice person and a caring person and, and, I think that goes a long way. If you need to do the other things too, to kind of make some connections, that's okay. But I don't think that's the most important part of relationship building. And oftentimes that's the stuff that goes viral. You know, it's the, it's all the, the cool kind of over the top stuff. And, and then people see that and think like, that's what I have to do. That must be the thing, you know, and it's really not that complicated. I mean, it is just about liking people and and being nice and having empathy and, that's really the bottom line.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I sat with them today and we had lunch. I Once a week we mm-hmm. do family bonding time. So mm-hmm. this week's family bonding time was we were all going to share a funny story about our families. And So yeah. this devolved into us sitting in a circle having a picnic talking about farts. <laughs> right.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's yeah, fine. Yeah. I mean- <laughs> That, that kind of stuff is important, though, right? Yeah. I mean, you, those are real, authentic conversations with kids. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's so often I've seen, like, the teacher run through the mental checklist at the door when the kid comes in. Welcome to school. We're glad you're here. How are you doing? A one, two, or a three? Okay, into the classroom. And it just becomes, like, this routine of, I'm just checking the list. And how, you know, when's the last time, you know, for a lot of teachers, when's the last time they've sat down? with a group of kids or even one individual kid and have like a genuine, authentic, um, open conversation with that student. And I mean, it's hugely important. And mm-hmm. you know, just to emphasize, I, I totally believe relationships with kids are, are important and it is a vital part of what we do as, as educators. But I don't think necessarily, I, I do think sometimes the pendulum has swung too far one direction and not the other, and that we almost have this devaluing of pedagogy and instructional practices. And we, we de- devalue the importance of those things, too. And we put all of our eggs in the we're going to love kids to death basket and hope the rest takes care of itself. But it truly has to be kind of this balance between those things. You can build relationships and love kids all day long, but you better be a darn good teacher as well um, from an instructional standpoint. And that's really how kids learn.
0: You are saying all the things in my head out loud so yeah. beautifully.
1: <laughs> well, good. I'm glad to hear that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm a math teacher and I've been told lots of times, oh, they don't really need to know how to multiply.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I yeah.
0: personally, I feel they do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and
0: I've found quite a bit of research to back that up.
1: <laughs> I mean, the devaluing of content knowledge, too, is it absolutely drives me crazy Um, as if suddenly all of these things aren't important and really all that's important are teaching critical thinking skills and organizational skills and soft skills and these things. And yes, those things are, are important, but the content is what's important. Um, it's really the job. Your job as an educator is to, if you're a math teacher, your job's to teach them math, whatever subject of math you're teaching. I was a social studies teacher and I taught world and American history. I taught government, um, that was my job. You know, I did a lot of other things outside of that. I tried to teach kids a lot of those other types of skills, but ultimately it was important for kids to learn, uh, learn those things. And I, I, again, I just feel, I agree a hundred percent that we've just kind of said, well, you know, the content is almost secondary to kind of these other things. And, and I, I just don't, I just don't agree with that.
0: Yeah. There is a, I won't say where I am, but there's a university in my area that will absolutely mm-hmm. lambaste me when I say that in mm-hmm. class.
1: Mm-hmm. But realistically. Well, and, right. And then for a math teacher, you know, you get, well, do they need to know, know to multiply? Every kid's got a calculator on their phone. And, you know, me as a social studies teacher for a long time in the U.S. growing up, it was every kid you would memorize all 50 of the state capitals. And, of course, that went away because it became, well, first of all, do you really need to know that? And then you can just look them up on your phone and, you know, all of this sort of thing. So, um, again, I think there's a lot of skill building that goes into learning those types of processes. And, um, you know, again, I'm not sure how it is in Canada. I know in the U S for a long time, you know, students were taught cursive handwriting Mm -hmm. and you know, that, that was, that's been phased out essentially everywhere in the last decade or two. And, You know, there's a lot of research now that says, you know, kind of the what's going on in your brain during the process of cursive handwriting is very important, Um, and so it's again just one of those skills that have been kind of devalued throughout time, and um, that I think has a lot of, you know, value for for kids.
0: Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, we agree on so many things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Excellent.
0: Come on up to Canada anytime.
1: <laughs> I've never been. One of these days, maybe. Absolutely. Oh,
0: do not come in the winter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not much of a... I live in the Midwest, and I'm never much of a cold weather fan, though. It's the weather starting to turn. I do love the fall, but I'll let you guys keep the snow up your way.
0: Yes, we we have lots. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sort of choose maybe the one thing that really grinds your gears right now in education. And it can be snarky or it can be real.
1: Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things and, and kind of my little rant earlier about kind of this, these, these of celebrities that maybe really don't have the knowledge base or research base. That is certainly something that kind of grinds my gears. Um, you know, again, I think like the, the emphasis of relationships, over instructional practice and pedagogy, that certainly grinds my gears. One thing too, and this is, this will be my one thing, is the, the discourse on EduTwitter. We all know EduTwitter is a valuable tool in a lot of ways, but the discourse so often is so negative. Mm. And if you post something that someone disagrees with, there's almost no middle ground. And that's, I think, a big problem for educators so, for instance, today I kind of posted something uh, really off the cuff about flexible seating, and I've been in buildings where I've had flexible seating in my classrooms, and I'm not necessarily an, an ardent opponent of it, but I did post something about that, and I got a, several responses kind of uh, kind of countering what I was saying, and I kind of tried to respond by saying like, you know, I don't, yeah, I'm really okay with it if it's done. And to kind of within moderation, you know, what drives me crazy is like if you come into a classroom and you've got like an upside down trash can a kid's sitting on and someone's sitting in the bathtub and this kid's on a beanbag and this kid's on a bicycle, you know what I mean? It's like, well, that is not a classroom. I don't know how you keep any type of organization structure and structure and, and, and in your classroom. And so I think some of that is just. You know the balance on edge of Twitter drives me a little bit uh, a little bit crazy sometimes. Like we're all in this together. We're all educators. Everyone has different experiences and opinions. If we could really uh, just kind of agree to disagree sometimes, or take other people's um, opinions into account, I think that's that would be powerful too. I mean, it's it's an amazingly powerful tool. We're connecting with educators all over the, the world, really, in a way we've never done before. But the the conversation can devolve so quickly into just you know negativity that I think it just does nothing but hurt our cause. And it really hurts our cause in the eyes of non-educators who are seeing all of this banter, who already maybe think poorly of public schools in a lot of ways. And so that's something that just absolutely um, frustrates me with with Twitter and with kind of education in general.
0: Yeah, well said. There is often a knee-jerk reaction to something like flexible seating. We hate it. We mm-hmm. love it. Okay, yeah. cite your sources. Have you tried right. it? <laughs> um, right. and, I mean, personally, in my class right now, there are two boys who, if we had 45 things going on, they would. Uh, it wouldn't work. They mm-hmm. would react poorly to it, and we know that, so that's not a thing we're going to do but yeah. you know it, we all have to recognize there's balance and we all have to recognize that context is everything yeah. and i don't know your context
1: i yeah. can't find absolutely.
0: with you absolutely
1: yeah absolutely kids are different every classroom looks a little bit different and no one knows their kids better than the teacher in that classroom and so really if the teachers you know doing what's in their best interest and and doing what they think is best for the kids hopefully based on some sound research and some sound advice then, you know, ultimately you're doing the right thing. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I have a few episodes coming up where I'm going to interview a few researchers from around, mostly from Canada, but a few from the US. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask them why there's this barrier between research and the classroom. Of course, we'll have some teachers come on and refute and see if we yeah. can get to how is it that we can start talking to each other because we're not talking to each other right now. There's huge arguments. So you're not a teacher. You don't know, or yeah. you don't have a PhD. You don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. You know right. You need to fight. Yeah. 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 Totally. Some, somehow bridging that gap and getting research, you know, uh, uh, in the United States, we, you know, our teacher PD is usually front loaded at the beginning of the school year. Mm-hmm. And then once the school year takes off run and, you know, it's, you you maybe get a little, you know, PD here and there. It's mostly in the U.S. It seems to be mostly focused on assessment, testing kids throughout the school year, and then kind of leading up to kind of the the big tests at the end of the school year for us. And that's not really PD, in my opinion. You're not really growing as a teacher by getting, you know, ready to assess a kid um, on a math test or whatever it may be. But, um, and while I understand that's an important part of it, it is seemingly the vast majority of our focus on PD. And so, being able to kind of bridge that gap and what does research say and bringing that into teachers and letting them kind of delve into it and work with it, I think would be a great first step.
0: You must be great fun in the lunchroom.
1: <laughs> well, I try to, well, I do a lot of lunch duty. I don't know how much fun that is. But I like, you know, I do like talking to the kids, but uh, I try to avoid the teacher's lounge usually, so...
0: <laughs> you make such great conversation. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. well, you know, I, I, I like to talk a lot, so that's always been easy.
0: <laughs> if you could fix anything, something, how might you fix it?
1: Well, to me, I, you know, I most recently have been an elementary school principal in um, a Title I building where about 90% of my kids were free and reduced lunch kids coming from extreme poverty, experiencing extreme trauma and crisis in their lives. And you can go 10 miles down the road and you can find a school that is probably nearly 0% free and reduced, that has a, a huge tax base, and the disparity in experiences for those two buildings is just, I mean, it is vast. And to me, that is one of the biggest issues in education is if you're in an affluent suburban area, then your kids are getting top quality education and top quality facilities and having um, every opportunity under the sun. If you come from an inner city school, if you come from a, a rural school, then your experiences and your opportunities are severely limited by where you are at. And that disparity is only exacerbates this issue, this divide of Kind of the haves and the have-nots in, in the U.S. Anyway, and so that is something that's near and dear to my heart, and I absolutely love working with that population of students. And it, it really is—it can be terribly difficult and trying, and um, but it—but it's—it's extremely important work, and I think. No matter where you work, but in those kind of buildings in particular, you know that you are changing lives and saving lives every single day, and it, it really is doing great work. But that is the one thing that I wish we could – in the United States, I wish we could find a more equitable way to really fund schools and and to make sure that that educational process for every kid, regardless of what job your parent has or what what your zip code is, that, that you could have an equal educational experience to the kid that, that lives down the road from you um, I don't know how you fix that necessarily. Um, people way smarter than me have to fix that and work on that kind of stuff. But (laughs) to me, that's, that's where my heart lies. And that's been the biggest, the biggest challenge and problem for us is just, I want those kids to have the same opportunity that every other kid has to be successful and, and to, you know, do really great things with their lives.
0: Oh, that's amazing. They're so lucky to have you.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. It's, uh, you know, teaching's a calling. It's not just a job. I think anyone that does it and has done it for a long time would probably agree with that. And, you know, the fact that I get a, you know, poke fun at it a little bit just makes it even more, even more fun for me. And so I've, I really enjoyed doing the, the, the Twitter account and, and that sort of thing.
0: What I get from the Twitter account is we're all here trying to help these kids worldwide. Mm-hmm. That is why we do what we do. And there always seem to be these little barriers that just get in the way. Like, let me teach, let me do my job. And, uh, some of them are really funny.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. It's, uh, that's what it is. A lot of times just these little barriers that if we could overcome some of those things, I think you make a huge difference, difference in big strides. And I think sometimes parody is the best way to, you know, to, to see change. uh, you know, Politics is a great example, political parody, right? It's a good way to kind of poke fun at things, but in a funny way, but also in a way that maybe brings some improvement and change. And I think that's really the point in my account and other, you know, education parody accounts, I think, is I love education. I love teachers. And so when I joke about teachers, it is in a loving way. And my whole goal is to say, you know what, we're going to be a little snark, a little parody, a lot of sarcasm usually, and, you know we can, we can approach things in kind of a funny way, but you know, maybe with kind of a deeper meaning in that ultimately we can, we can all help move education in the right direction.
0: Well, I appreciate you and you make me think and you make me laugh. And I think you're really doing positive things for education. So keep going.
1: Well, I really appreciate that. I will, uh, I'm going to keep it up. I've been trying to pump out as I think I've had the account a little over a month now. I've been trying to put out as much content as I can every day. And, um, You know, I usually just tweet things as they hit me, so sometimes that's at five in the morning, sometimes that's right before bed, sometimes it's on lunch duty at school, but uh, I really enjoyed it, so I, I appreciate the encouragement and the kind words.
0: Once again, a massive thank you to you, Modest Teacher. You make me laugh, you bring perspective, you are so fantastic and wonderful. Thank you so much for this interview. Ladies and gentlemen out there, if you are interested in being part of the podcast, please send in your ideas. Please send in your favorite educators, those who inspire you. Get on the podcast yourself. Until next time, keep inspiring those kids and have an awesome week.